Time for this week's edition of the Source Weekly Update, out of the press and into your ear. Every week, found wherever you get audio. And now, let's check out some of the highlights from Volume 25, Issue 20, dated May 16th. From our news desk, Student Success Act on its way to Governor Brown's desk. HB 3427 passed along party lines after the Senate Republicans came back to the floor Monday by Chris Miller. On May 13th, the Oregon Senate passed House Bill 3427, the multi-billion dollar education funding plan, along party lines 18 to 11, with Jackie Winters, Republican Salem, excused. The no votes included Senator Tim Knopp, Republican Bend. If Governor Kate Brown signs the bill into law, it's estimated to bring in about $1 billion per year in additional revenue from schools from a new commercial activity tax on businesses with greater than $1 million in sales per year, taking a portion of a business's total revenue. The money would go into a student success fund, which would fund additional education programs and other school initiatives, including smaller class sizes and more counseling services, according to the Joint Committee on Student Success. Senate Republicans had refrained from showing up to work since May 7th, preventing the 20-member quorum necessary to hold a Senate vote, with the exception of Senator Knopp, who remained to negotiate with Democrats. A lot of this is inside baseball, Knopp told the source last week. Sometimes there are bumps in the road, but it's all part of the process. Republicans said they stayed away from the Capitol in part because they wanted to ask voters to enshrine a mandate in the Oregon Constitution that the new tax money could only be spent on education, not on things like the public employee's retirement system. According to the text of the measure, starting in 2020, about 50% of the money would go to grants to local school districts and 20% to programs serving toddlers and preschoolers. The rest of the money would be split between full funding for a 2016 voter-approved measure to expand career technical classes and anti-dropout programs and initiatives to help improve school performance statewide. From this week's Outside Guide, Naked in Nature, The Natural and Legal State of Nakedness in the Outdoors and Elsewhere, by Peter Madsen. Each summer presents new opportunities for never-been-dones. Rock Climb at Smith Rock State Park, in the buff, sunbathe while naked, and dozing by a secluded Cascade Lake. Play ultimate frisbee while topless or bottomless with friends in Drake Park. Consider these perfectly legal ways to ease tan lines and demonstrate your body positivity during these sunny days in Central Oregon. While these skin-bearing activities are legal, authorities say, it's your behavior while naked that can get you in trouble. That might include having sex in public view, or intentionally trying to arouse someone. But if you mind your manners and are considerate of other clothed citizens, you can enjoy the sensation of sunshine and breeze on every inch of your birthday suit. While art criticism distinguishes between nudity and nakedness, we will use the terms interchangeably. Rules around nudity in Bend. Bend does not have a particular ordinance against nakedness, so Oregon law is Bend law. Even a fully naked ultimate frisbee game in Drake Park probably wouldn't be a problem, said Bend Police Department Lieutenant Jason Maniscalco. Naked in Oregon State Parks Oregon has no laws against nakedness, but there are laws about behavior while naked, said Chris Havel, spokesperson for the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department. 
From craft, our drinks column, festival season begins with Central Oregon Beer Week by Zach Beckwith. Back for its seventh year, Central Oregon Beer Week begins with a kickoff party Friday night at Cobalt Brewing's The Vault Tap House. The festival, now under the direction of the Central Oregon Brewers Guild, runs from Friday, May 17th to Sunday, May 26th. The Beer Week phenomenon began in 2007 with Philadelphia Beer Week. It then jumped coasts in 2008 with the creation of San Francisco Beer Week. These early beer weeks were created to elevate good beer's visibility with a blitzkrieg of beer events crammed into a 10-day time period. It seems today that every week could be Beer Week, but when Philly Beer Week began, the country had just 1,500 breweries, compared to over 7,000 today. At that point, craft beer was still a niche product, and you could argue that Beer Weeks played a part in mainstreaming good beer. Today, over 100 cities host Beer Weeks, including Central Oregon. Central Oregon Beer Week began in 2012 and has remained a fixture on the annual calendar since. Events throughout the week include beer dinners, game nights, and tap takeovers along with much more. Broken Top Bottle Shop will once again serve as a mini-hub for COBW events, with individual breweries hosting their own events throughout the week. Thanks for listening to this week's Source Weekly Update. For more on these and other stories, pick up a copy of the new Source Weekly. I'm Sam Scholl.